Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. You know, in today's market, people have options. They know that they're in the driver's seat. Uh, it is really not entirely your choice anymore. And here's the kicker. People are willing to totally walk away from your opportunity if you cannot effectively communicate the value above and beyond a paycheck. Today, we're going to talk about what's in it for them. Today's quote, our pain is the breaking of the shell that encases your understanding. Any idea who said that, Mr. William Tincup? I don't know. I can't tell you. It's a guy named Khalil Gibran, and actually I have no idea who he is, but it was like a really deep quote. That's a pretty good quote. (laughs) I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to provide tactical solutions to solve your company's toughest hiring challenges. We share insights from top-performing entrepreneurs and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. William Tincup. He is the president of RecruitingDaily.com. At the intersection of HR and technology, William is a sought-after writer, speaker advisor, consultant, investor, storyteller, and teacher. He's been writing about HR-related issues for over a decade, and William serves on the board of advisors for about 20 different HR technology startups. Wow, (laughs) when do you sleep, William? (laughs) (laughs) William understands what is working in the world of recruiting today, which makes him an expert on today's topic. William, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Rick, uh, thank you for having me, and uh, this is going to be fun, and I know it's going to go fast. It's going to be real fun, and it always goes really fast for me. So here's what we're going to cover today. We're going to talk about why, in today's market, people are willing to drop your company in a heartbeat. Then we're going to talk about how to stop that madness and provide you a little bit of a framework. So, uh, William, I'm going to let you start this out by enlightening us. What do people want, people who are interviewing or people who are passively looking for a job or even actively looking for a job? It's interesting because we, we've been through several, you and I have uh, been through several cycles where it's been a high talent market and low talent market, meaning supply and demand, right? Yep. Uh, where there's... Uh, more jobs than people or more people than jobs. Um, we're at that point right now where there are, you know, more jobs than people. A lot more. So, a, lot, a lot more. And especially in certain rural areas, uh, in certain sectors and job, and, and job roles, it's really tough to keep people. So, um, we're in that, we're in that market where people have options. And, yes, they do. Um, and, and so I think we have to think like, would they always have options? So on some level, I, I think that like it's almost like free agency in any sport. We we don't have to think. We shouldn't think about them just in their contract year. We should really be thinking about them the entire time in terms of how we engage them and communicate and, and just love them. Let's just put it in kind of a softer language. Uh, but right now, with candidates are coming, candidates with options, which you know, are the majority of candidates, your, your A and B talent for sure. Um, they're coming with questions that we haven't really seen before, uh, before now. And, and, you know, one of them is they want to know what's next. And mm-hmm. internal mobility is something that, you know, we're, we're not great at in HR and recruiting, uh, communicating kind of a career path. Uh, okay, here's, you know, you know, Bill, here's where you're going to start. Um, if you're successful there, you're going to go on to this thing. And then if you're successful there, you're going to go on to this thing. 
And having an idea of what that looks like is important to candidates today, more important than it was five years ago. I think five years ago, they probably wanted to know that, but they didn't ask it. Now, they feel emboldened to, in the interview process with the hiring manager and or recruiter or, and or sourcer, to ask the question like, yeah, okay, that's cool, but you know, what's next? So that's, that's the first thing, and that's kind of radically changed TA or talent acquisition and hiring because we have to think about what's next. Well, I'll tell you one thing they don't want, too, is they don't want to be sold. Yeah. A lot of us go into sales mode, but the fact is, is you really have to be able to demonstrate what's in it for them. That's right. That's right. And, 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 and you know what? They're not. If you pause and, uh, and you can't answer the question. So, like, let's just think about this in real terms. If, if, if a candidate asks you, it's like, hey, this looks great. I really think I can kill this job. And I think 9, 12, 18 months in, I, I know myself, my own personality. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want to you know, be ambitious, if you want to call it that. But I'm going to want to know what's next. If you freeze and or don't have an answer, you've already lost that candidate. right? Because emotional engagement is far more powerful than the money. That's right. And you know what? That's a clue. That's a clue for you to pick up on that. That's a pain point for them. They don't have that ability in their current role. So you have to pick up on that and drive it. And you have to take it a step further. So how are you going to make them better? How are you going to train them? How are you going to develop them, right? That's a number two. And uh, it's it's interesting the words that they use there. Uh, Skill up. Uh, train, what do you, you know, are you going to work on my strength and make them stronger? Are you going to work on my weaknesses and help me fill in the gaps? Like they're coming to the table asking what are traditional learning and development questions, you know, training and development questions, succession questions, if you will, um, because they want to, they want to know a, that you have the investment, you know, that you've put money aside, that you've got a program or programmatically, you know what to do with them and they want that from you. Again, it's kind of like the deer in the headlights. If you freeze and or if you can't answer the question <laughs> in dead. a cogent way, you're dead on right. Yeah, you're dead. They've already moved on. Like they won't tell you, "Wow, you really did, you really didn't get that question right." They'll just go, "Hey, man, this is great. Okay, yeah, call me." And then that's it. The relationship's over. They they yep. they're off again. to the next one. Yeah, and that's and that's even and that's even if you've made it that far to have them on for an on-site interview. I mean, this is coming up in phone conversations quite a bit. Absolutely. At least on my end, is if you're the person who's reaching out to the candidate for the first time, you got to have answers to those questions. And, and then, of and course, it, the leadership needs to be able to confirm those questions once they come on an on-site interview. <laughs> that's where we we got to get our story straight. And yeah, be, we have to align our budgets, and you know, do all, we actually have to do the work. And what's interesting about that is we thought a couple of years ago the recruiting was going to peel away and either be completely independent of, of HR or join marketing because they have so much in common hmm. uh, brand-wise. And the truth of the matter is, is the candidate has changed us uh, and changed that direction so fundamentally that actually recruiting is going further into HR. Is it really? Uh, because I, cause I've seen a lot of companies candidate. that have actually separated HR from... Well, the, you can separate it. You can put them on different planets. The yeah. problem is, is the candidates, i.e. the customers, are asking questions that are HR-related. And, and so, again, if you, if you separate them, you, you do that at your peril. Because, or you've got to have a really good communications, you know, strategy to, to bridge the gap, which, which is fine. Like, I don't mind if recruiting is done in New York and HR is done in San Francisco. 
as long as they're talking and they got the same stories and the you know investments being put aside, well then that that can work. Well, it brings but, up the thought that maybe training and development should be more in alignment with talent acquisition it, or it, you know the recruiting it, process. It should yes. Like I said, like what we used to do with training and development is after we onboarded them. <laughs> yeah. So so months or years into the, the relationship, then we would go, well, we should probably put you on a training path. Um, but you know what? What I find fascinating about that, and it, and it probably bodes to your, your, your idea, is during the sourcing and recruiting process, we find out things that they want to learn. Like, like we ask questions and they tell us answers and like, you know, I've always wanted to learn Python and, you know, and it's just like a little note. Like we don't even think about it twice. We're on to the next interview question. That's also but, when, yeah, when candidates are the most truthful too, in the very beginning of the first conversation. <laughs> I mean, they're going to share with you everything they want and everything they desire. And that is an often missed piece of the equation. Hey, if we don't, if so we much guessing goes on actually there. document that. Okay, so 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 hear me out. If we were to actually document that, I put do. that into okay, and then during the onboarding after offer acceptance, and then during the onboarding process, validate. Say, hey, you know what? You said early on that you wanted to learn Python. I just want to double check that. Are you still? Is that still something important to you? It is great. You know what? Now let's put you on this path where you learn Python. So it's almost like you 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 gather the data someplace, you validate the data, you know, at a different place, probably at onboarding. And then you put them on a path. It and seems easy enough, but why don't we do it? That's a whole nother episode. But let's consider if whoever the, is reaching out to a candidate, i.e. the CEO of a company at an early stage or whoever's heading it up, uh, maybe even the hiring manager, this should be something that should be commonly done. Commonly. And and the problem is, is we're using recruiting tactics, as you well know, we're using re- tactic, recruiting tactics that worked in the 80s. 80s? I was going to say uh, the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're probably right, actually. <laughs> but we're, 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 we're not answering the questions uh, of today. And, and you know what's interesting, Rick, is there's a lot of work that, that we can parallel that like what the work that's been done in customer experience. So the RIT, uh, Marriott, uh, Applebee's, you know, pick your favorite restaurant or retailer, or hospitality uh, establishment, et cetera. They know more about their customers than we ever know about our candidates. Yet they're essentially creating an experience. You know, yeah. that's their job. Like they're creating, creating experience. So that what we could learn and borrow from uh, it isn't. It isn't kind of recruiting tactics that, that kind of would get us there. It'd be creating better experiences, being thoughtful, and and really kind of think like sitting down and thinking about it, and just being thoughtful. Like, what do we want them to feel? What do we want them to think? What do we want them to smell? To uh, to hear? To like, what do we want all of those things to be? And if we think it, we have a chance of making it happen. And here's the thing. There are companies that are doing that. It's just done at a very small scale. And I think they're the ones that have the resources to be able to do it. I, I, I'll go further. The resources, yes. Uh, but it isn't just money. They're, these are thoughtful companies. It gets to the values of the firm. You know, you, you can't fake thoughtfulness. You're either thoughtful or you're not. <laughs> so very true. If you're just joining us live on the podcast or live stream, you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and our guest today is William Tincup. He's the president of Recruiting Daily. I'll let you continue with that. It's it's those experiences, micro experiences, and, and something that's something to think about. Something as simple as like you know, when they show up for their interview, what do we want them to experience? Thinking about it from the door. You know, before the door, okay, what's the email? What's the communication? What's the call? What's the reminder? What are all those 
things, those touch points. And if we think of like, like Marriott, you know, Marriott, Marriott, you know, or, or your favorite, or your favorite, uh, restaurant, whatever. What do, what do they do? They touch you at, at different points of that experience. They're seeking well to understand first. And that's right. what recruiting is, is understanding first. We have the whole model flipped. And everybody from the recruiting department to the hiring managers, hiring managers too, it's it's all about the positioning. And the situation is the positioning is all about, I have a problem, I I need it solved. I understand that you have a problem, you need it solved, but let's flip the script and think about, okay, well, how do we solve this problem? Well, let's solve somebody else's problem with our problem. And and really, what it and, and to your point, it's 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 about getting to mutual fit, and and really, you know, it's just as important that we get the right candidate as it is that the candidate gets the right job. We say this so often, and everybody confirms it. Yet it comes down to a situation where they hire not Mrs. Wright or Mr. Wright, but Mr. or Mrs. Right now. The person who was the most available at the time. So we settled. And, and well, we settle, and, and again, that's the divorce rate in America. So, <laughs> so if you really want, <laughs> it's yeah. even higher in I, California, I think. Uh, well, it, I know I don't know that to be true, but I, I, here's what I do know: when something like that happens, you go back and you think there, there had to have been some signs. Did I miss those signs? And again, it's it, and it's communication, it's trust, it's all these valued-laden things. And the, these candidates that have options, one of the, one of the other things, Rick, that they, they really want from companies is they want to be recognized. They yes. They want to be praised. And they want to be, you know, we can call it a lot of different things, pat on the back, etc. But they, we live now in a, in, a, in a time where people are like, I know that I added value. It would be cool if you recognized that. And said, I added hey, add a boy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and add a boy goes a long way. Oh, you know, God. and I think it comes from our generation. I don't know. I didn't get a whole lot of attaboys from my when I was growing up. And, and I'm sure my father's generation <laughs> just got right. a kick in the ass. And now it's the, with the millennials and maybe Gen Z, which you and I talked about at one yep. point. Man, there's a whole lot of attaboys. And so it is, yeah. and, again, and it's almost an overabundance of attaboys. And and you know what? We can, uh, as we would, we can make fun of it and laugh at it and, and be sarcastic about it, which, of course, we, we should do. No, I'm jealous of it. I didn't get, <laughs> I didn't get any. <laughs> but you know this as a recruiter. You adapt or you die. And that process, that's people, that's technology, that's your candidate is, uh, your customer is changing right before your eyes. Whether or not I got attaboys in high school or in my first couple of jobs or not, not even relevant to the to the equation anymore. So it's to the, the, our current candidates and customers. What do they need? And then and you know and I, I all the way down to kind of highly personalized finding out like what do you need? You know when we say praise, well that could be anything. Do you need more money? You want days off? You want us just to kind of pull you in front of the public? You want it social? Like how do you want to be recognized? These are questions we could easily find out. To find out what they want, and then when it happens, do it. So as we're developing people, the three kind of truths that I have found, right? And you mentioned one of them, but I mean, really adapt or perish, right? If you're, yeah. if you're not adapting to what the people want, you're not going to be able to hire the people you need. So you might as well give back your funding to move on to something else. But <laughs> when you're calling people and you're trying to get people engaged, nobody cares about you or your problems. That's they right. care about their own problems. So think about that in your positioning. It's super important because if I'm solving a problem for the person that I'm trying to recruit, 
then I've got a win-win situation across the board. And if I'm trying to push and just sell people on my opportunity and what I think is cool, the fact is you're just adding to the noise. That's right. Well, we've all been around people that are really kind of self-centered, you know, family members, you know, at holidays or people at the office or whatever. But we've been around people that they never ask you about you. They never ask you about mm-hmm. your family. They don't ask about anything in your background. They, they barely ask you about work. They're all about themselves. Um, <laughs> and- that reminds me of a famous person I met once. And the whole time that I was talking to him, I was stuck in a golf cart with this person. And the whole time, all they were talking about was them. Yeah. Let me tell you more about yeah, me. Well, That's great. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny, I was at a Final Four a uh, hundred years ago, and uh, Coach K, where I was coming out of the bathroom, and he was coming into the bathroom, and I opened up the, the door for him, and I said, hey, Coach K, he's like, no autographs. I'm like, <laughs> well, I, I really wasn't wanting an autograph. But I was opening I, the door, you're welcome. <laughs> I was just opening the door. I was opening the door, homie. That's all I was doing. But, but recruiters, are, to your point, that's why I wanted to bring it back, recruiters are, are, are self-centered and have been self-centered for too long. I mean, the questions that we should be asking of those candidates should be about them first, and then to see if there's a, like, do, do these things kind of align? The thing that I've got and the thing that you want, do these things align in any way, shape, or form? Let's give a little bit of a walkthrough because we're getting close on time here. How do we structure a system that's going to attract people to your company rather than repel them? Well, I, I'm going to go I'm going to go hard to the left on you here because I think you're, an employment brand should do both. A great employment brand should should do both equally. If like you I are, if, yeah, and I agree with you. If you're Google, then you've got an employment brand. But if you're a small little company, you don't have that. You don't have it at all. And no, those are the ones that. that need the great people. They do, they do. And so it should be try to. But but again, telling the truth, being genuine. So to, to answer the question, it's being authentic with yourself, telling the people who you are. Uh, and being true to that word, uh, Rackspace famously did this um, by letting their employees blog and their employees would tell stories. You know, hey, we drink, you know, 15 Mountain Dews a day and work 120 hours a week and we skateboard on the weekends together. If you if you like that, then come join us. Yeah. Come join us. If you don't like that, cool. We can still be friends. We can still love one another. So I think that authenticity, and I mean, it's almost like you want to want to say you want to you want to be so authentic that they get it immediately. Like I, I feel like I can be with these people. Well, it's like you and me, right? People are going to love us or hate us. Right. My my bill because my wife. Uh, she's she's not that way. A hundred. In fact, if someone ever says that they don't like my wife, I automatically know they're a psychopath. So that's probably I my way too. All right, things wrong with that person. All right, so let me just interject here. I'm going to say, really, what we're talking about is positioning. I mean, at the sure. at the root of it, making sure that you give before you take. You want to gain understanding of the person first before you try to sell them on your opportunity. And I have a term that I use here, and I use quite frequently, which is understand their career wound or their pain point, right? Everybody has a pain point. If you can heal their career wound with your job, you've got a win-win situation. Well, and you don't even think about it, you don't even think about it as a job. Like, like continue the medical uh, analogy. You've got a, a treatment for their wound. You know, if you've got a wound, let's 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 recognize, let's agree on it, and then say, hey, I think I have a treatment here. You know, it's not a job. It's not a thing. It's a, I think that what you need is something that we provide. And all we have to do is just throw a Band-Aid on it, and boom, we're off to the races. 
Oh, man. I want to talk a little bit more, but we're just about out of time for today's show. William, thanks for your time. Throw a little Neosporin on it, so it's done. (laughs) I got a band-aid and some Neosporin. Boom. So then your only job is really to connect the dots for them and let them tell you why. We're just about out of time for today's show. Man, I want to thank you for joining us today, William, and your time investment. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, I'm sure uh, some of our audience members would love to uh, find out more about you and RecruitingDaily.com. How do they reach you? Sure, I might be the easiest cat to find on the internet. Uh, Yeah, right. I can ten cup to Google and you'll find me. But easy email address is RecruitingDaily is just my last name, ten cup. T-I-N-C-U-P at RecruitingDaily.com. Thank you for having me on the show. A, thank you for letting me talk with the audience and and, uh, love to be doing some more stuff with you in the future. I'm right there with you, my brother. All right, I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our creative director, Ayla Gerard, and our producers, Andrea Ballin and Chanti Ryle. If you're listening to the podcast, please rate, subscribe, and review. We need your feedback to uh, bring more valuable content to you. Uh, You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, radio.com. Or you can find us on all your various players like iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and YouTube. If you're uh, super brazen, you could probably follow me on Twitter. I'm at Rick underscore Gerard. So tune in next week. Our guest will be Monica Lukocek. She's a immigration attorney for the U.S. Immigration Law Group here in Orange County. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio. 